Hi there, welcome to episode 5 of Travel Thoughts. I'm your lovely and delightful host, Simon Hanslow. It's been a while since I've done one of these. So, I've been thinking a lot about perception, and I know I say that pretty much every single bloody podcast starts with me going, I've been thinking about some vague notion about humanity. But this time a little bit differently, and I'm going to start by telling you a bit about something that I'm, I'm quite well learned about, geology. Plate tectonics is a relatively recent phenomenon, a relatively recently understood phenomenon. It's as old as the Earth is almost. Essentially, imagine... That's a suitable analogy. The core of the Earth is hot, and it's not just by temperature, it's also radiation. It's quite radioactive, and that all translates to heat. Now, if you would put a cork... If you you got an empty wine bottle, and you filled it half full of water, and you put it in a steam bath and tried to boil it, if you put it over the stove, you'll just melt the friggin' glass, but if you put it in a steam bath, you might boil the water inside the bottle. And eventually, the cork would rupture from the pressure. And you can, ima- you can imagine that. You've got a kettle. When the kettle boils, the steam is coming out because the effects of that heat have to go somewhere. Some of the heat translates into the bottom of the kettle, because that's the analogy apparently I've moved on to. Some of it goes into the handle. Some of it moves into the, the, pla- the, like the rest of it, the actual body of it. A lot of it, most of it, escapes as steam. And the rest is held within the liquid. Water has a phenomenal capacity to hold heat, which is why it's used as coolant. So that's plate tectonics in its most simple way is about heat transference. It's about heat loss. The law of thermodynamics that governs this, I think it's the second, but I might be totally wrong there, is that energy um, heat, heat will always travel to a to, to heat heat and heat hot and cold will always try to equalize. So a hot thing wants to not be a hot thing, and a cold thing wants to not be a hot, cold thing, and they want to equalize beyond themselves. And there's probably very fancy rules, uh, words to describe this process, but I am not a physicist or an engineer or a chemist. I'm a friggin' geologist, so we call it hot thing moves to cold thing. All right? So plate tectonics is heat trying to escape the core of the Earth, and this heat escaping from the core into the core boundary into the mantle, into the upper mantle, the, 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 which is the, lithosphere, the thinosphere and then the lithosphere, and then the crust, which is the hard, crusty shell, brittle, cold sh- shell on top. Now, the way these heat transfers out, I won't go into that because it's, it's really quite insanely complicated, is, is it melts parts of it and that melting rises as volcanoes, as lava. And that's Hawaii. Hawaii is a hot spot, so that's a localized point of temperature that's melted a bit of lava, of magma, and the magma's risen and erupted as volcanoes and lava. So plate tectonics, the shifting of the plates, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, there is what's called a spreading ridge. New ocean is being formed there. On the edge of Californian coastline, most of the coastlines in Southeast Asia, um, this coastline of South America, where the of Chile, they are called subduction zones. That's where oceanic crust is going down into the crust. Now, heat escaping is what pushes the oceanic crust to be born. 
it pushes up through these spreading ridges and creates new oceanic crust. But because continents exist, the oceanic crust butts in, up into it and it is forced because the continents are, believe it or not, lighter and they are more buoyant than the oceanic crust. The crust, oceanic crust, slides underneath the continental crust. Now, this is all very bad explanation because I'm half asleep, so bear with me. But that's driven by heat loss, okay? So the whole of plate tectonics at its core is governed by effects of buoyancy and density and weight and temperature. Um, and there's some really cool effects that happen to the oceanic crust as it goes back down into the mantle, which is the next layer down. And that's a really interesting things that happen there. And I can discuss that if people want them to. It's really cool, but it's really complex. So that's driven by heat, driven by heat loss from the core. And life on this planet would not exist if there was no hot core. So the hot core rotating against itself, because the hot inner core is solid, solid like a bloody ball of nickel, and the outer core is, uh, when I say liquid, it's not a liquid, it's a hyperfluid, it's like a still metal, but it's liquid-ish, rotates incredibly quickly against this inner core, and that friction, electrical current produced by those two events rotating, produces the electromagnetic field around the Earth. So the temperature, which protects us from solar radiation, solar worst of solar flares, neutron bombardment, if we did not have a magnetic field around the Earth, we'd get toasted pretty quickly. If you've ever seen a very, very bad movie called The Core, don't believe a word of it, um, the negative aspects of not having a magnetic field are pretty, ac not accurate, but pretty correct in their foretelling of doom. It's bad and it would hurt people and things would be wildfires and we'd all get radiation poisoning and die. So you want to have that thing. Without it, life couldn't exist. So yeah, the, the, pre the presence of a hot core determines the temperature that the, the life can exist on a planet. All right. Prior to the 50s, plate tectonics didn't exist as a theory. We didn't understand why the continents moved. There were some theories, there were some pretty crackpot theories. I'm not well versed in these theories when I'm driving the car home from work, I can't remember what they are. And this is illustrative more than anything else. But these, these theories try to explain why, why plate tectonics happened and why it existed. There were theories like there was a hollow earth or that there was a mini sun inside the earth or that the oceans, the water was full of, the center of the world was full of water and it rotated around and the movement of that water pushed the continents around. There was no real concrete understanding of what was going on for the interior of the planet and it was all really governed by what, if you look at ancient um, Hebrew and um, Hindi pictures of the firmament of the creation, you'd get an idea of what these guys thought because it was all based on, on spiritual um, religious doctrine. Um, so in the, in the 50s, um, during World War II and when submarine combat and submarines got much, much more prevalent and radar became a thing and magnetic sensing devices became a thing and you had these instruments on the front of submarines that could map the ocean floors magnetics because you can't see down there you have to have fun ways of mapping the ground and that's fine that's great 
that when they... There's a couple of, of captains that noticed this, actually. Some really clever guys on a few submarines noticed that the seafloor was striped. So when they noticed that the seafloor was striped, they thought, why is, why is it magnetic? They worked out that the, the rock that the seafloor is made of, it's largely basalt, is quite high in, fer in ferric metals, iron, which are magnetic. Ferromagnetism. Ferromagnet and that the, um, the magnets of the, the ocean floor, a big strip of it would be oriented north-south, and then the next strip would be south-north, and then north-south, and then south-north, and then north-south, and it would have this system that would just overlay, and then the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. One of the effects of electrical movement is electromagnetism. If you get a wire, copper wire, and you put an electric con electrical signal, uh, ah, words, and you put current, is the word I'm looking for, through that wire, and it's going from left to right, in a, in a, in a spherical sort of space around, perpendicular to the flow of the current, you will produce an electromagnetic field. And that's been well known for hundreds and hundreds of years. Well, since electricity, so probably only 150, to be honest. Anyway, moving on. So, magnetic fields are well understood. So, what happens is, it's, it's, it's a quantum, one of the quantum effects of, of magnetic fields is that they swap polarity. North becomes south and south becomes north. And all magnetic fields have a, a north and a south. So, our one does this too. And it is in the geological record. So, you have big strips of oceanic crust that are north-south and some that are south-north. They've switched. So that's pretty concrete evidence that the Earth's magnetic field undergoes dipole reversion, which is what it's called. But the reason this relates back to quantum, uh, to, quantum mechanics, to plate tectonics, is that the, the strips, you wouldn't be able to see the strips over space if the crust wasn't moving, because the magnetic field doesn't move. It is a discrete effect around the Earth. So if the magnetic field, like if the, mag if the plate, if the, the oceanic crust wasn't moving slowly over time, the different sort of horizontal sections of the rock would not record different magnetic orientations. So when they discovered these differing magnetic orientations, it had to mean that the plates were moving. It, and this is the most circuitous route to understanding that. I mean, you look at a map of South America and um, Africa, and they kind of fit together. So obviously they split apart. But we didn't know for certain. And then suddenly these submarine captains mapping the ocean floor for the Sosis nets for World War II with their magnetometers realize that the continents move. That was huge. Prior to that, we didn't have any idea. And this is what I want to talk about. And that was a long way to get to this point. We don't know everything. If, si if we knew everything, if science knew everything, you wouldn't need to do science. Knowledge, there is really not so much a thing as truth, all right? There's no real concrete anything in reality. Light speed is a barrier that you can't go faster than um, 
the Planck units are the smallest divisible units of time and space, but that's expressed mathematically. There are things, that, concepts that are like hard observant truths about the, uh, facts about the universe, but their qualifiers as truth isn't really relevant. But if we didn't know, plate tectonics has existed without human knowledge for hundreds and hundreds of millions of years and a couple of billion years, since almost the formation when the planet cooled, maybe even before. There's been research on that recently. So, oh, did it again. I lost, went through roadworks and lost my train of thought. So we didn't know what plate tectonics was until recently. There's all kinds of little observations that largely go unremarked in our society that we don't think about. In World War II, black men were not allowed to be pilots because it was thought that due to their um, African heritage, they could not see in the dark. That's completely racist bullshit. It's not true. But it was the wisdom of the time. But it was the accepted wisdom. So we have a we have an entire society that's built on certain principles, any of which might be shown to be incorrect. So um, here's a good one from my childhood: the risk between MSG and cancer. Now that was taken as an absolute in my childhood. An absolute. It was taken as an absolute. It wasn't argued with. But as it turns out, it's the same argument as 5G causes cancer, or anti, or vaccinations give you measles. Give, give you measles. Ah, well, they kind of do. Give you autism. Or um, what's another good one? Diet Coke gives you cancer. There are. They're based off badly interpreted science, badly executed science. It's just, they're bullshit. Is the short answer, they are reactionary bullshit. MSG does not give you cancer. If it did, considering how bloody prevalent it is used in Southeast Asia, and in most of the world, to be honest, because it's flavor godliness, there'd be, cancer, there'd be deadly cancers everywhere. So even reductively, which I don't like, it is not necessarily true. So if that's not true, then what else is not true? What is it that you read in the paper or online or see on the television or what's told to you by your favorite TV presenters is rubbish? What tools do you have at your disposable dis- disposable to discern whether or not what Walid Ali or Andrew Bolt are saying is anything real? Um, I can't watch commercial panels like the project because it's it's so much of it is hyperbole and bullshit. When let's take two other examples. Chernobyl and Mad Cow. Mad Cow is a real thing. It is a prion disease called and it results in a, it results in a disease in humans called Kurtzfeldt-Jakob disease. It literally eats your brain tissue. It's called mad cow. You go mad because your brain is fucking dissolving. 
excuse the French, really is. It's prion. Prions are little fragments of virus. They shouldn't even be classed as a life form. We still don't even know how they work. They are unkillable, absolutely unkillable. If you get a prion disease, yep, bye. Can't do a damn thing about it. That's why Mad Cow sets off so many alarm bells. It's an actual thing. So you get this presentation of a disease in cattle in the UK. And I remember when this happened. And there's been subsequent mad cow episodes happening because they test for it everywhere because it's so horrifying what it does to humans. So in the, I think it was the 70s, maybe the 80s? If it was the 70s, then I don't actually remember it happening because I wasn't alive. But when mad cow first happened, there was all kinds of shit in the press about what it was, what it wasn't, but the government came out, basically took it, came out in front of all of it and said, this is exactly what it is, and this is what we're going to do about it. There was no moral ambiguity. There was economic resistance because you had to slaughter tens of thousands of cattle, but the health advice was clear. This is going to kill you in an incredibly painful way, and it could be really damaging to high proportions of the population. So we're going to sterilize these populations of cattle. We're going to test every single one of them, and we're going to kill it all. But I don't think beef prices in England have actually recovered from that. I don't think they have. And the US is constantly terrified that it's going to get it there, and so is South America that now produces most of the world's, world's beef. Australia, they're terrified as well. It's tested all the time. So why is it back then a virus warning for mad cow disease and government action to cull tens of thousands of heads of cattle uh, was taken seriously, but 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 COVID, COVID idiots think that they are opinions right now. Something. Chernobyl happened in a communist in a communist Russia. They did not tell anyone when it first happened. The first alarm bells started going off when people in Switzerland started getting sick. And then they went, hang on, this is coming, this is radiation coming in on the weather. This is coming from Russia. Oh yeah, by the way, Russians, we, um, yeah, we had a major meltdown and we've now poisoned a whole chunk of Western Europe. Yeah, whoops, sorry. So, and again, Chernobyl's been this clear, was this clear thing of, here's something that's happened, here are the potential hazards involved in this thing, let's do something about it. And then something was, things were done about it. And while background radiation levels are still a little high and you're still getting occasionally high leukemia clusters in certain countries in Western Europe, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, it's been, it's dealt with. And they need to replace the sarcophagus over the reactor because that's going to be radioactive for the next, you know, I'm sure we need to leave instructions for the cockroach people when they take over to try and fix the, repair the sarcophagus. That's a whole other kettle of fish I should talk to you about time, like the, how to communicate to deep time. Um, so here we have two examples of science that was rigorously conducted, that was well understood, was actioned, and it was effective. So we can, here are two examples right now. We've got plate tectonics, and observation of the natural world has led us to an understanding of a natural process that we didn't necessarily understand before. We might have had inklings and other theories and ideas. And plate tectonics is still a theory. It's the best theory that fits the evidence. And there's, more, there's heaps of evidence. Now that we know what we're looking for, there is evidence literally everywhere. There is no next level disputed theory for how geology operates on this planet. Maybe other planets, but not Earth. 
and even then, plate tectonics is still the viable option on other planets. Mars has got evidence of it. It's gone now, but it used to happen. So that's where science, the, the natural world has produced evidence. We've interpreted it, and it's got something. We've got an idea that fits the facts really, really well. Mad cow happened. Chernobyl happened. Man-made events or emergence of viruses made uh, occurred. We collected data. We made decisions. Governments made decisions. Things were locked down. Steps were taken. Measures were taken. And I'm sure there was pushback. I was not alive for both for um, Chernobyl, and I'm I'm pretty sure I wasn't alive for the major um, UK mad cow break. In fact, I think I might have been in the 60s. And I don't I don't really remember. I don't can't remember what the pushback was. There probably was. You would have got economic pushback from from killing all the cattle. You would have got pushback from the Russian government for interference. You would have got. Pushback from from environment from um, uh, various governments, things like that, who didn't want interference, who didn't want to wake the Russian bear, things like that. Russia would definitely not like people of coming in, things like that. So, and now, of course, I'm of course I'm thinking about coronavirus. Now we have a society, and we've we've moved on to a point where there is so much doubt. And I could talk for hours about where that doubt comes from. In fact, I may have wrote and written my master's thesis about it. There is so much doubt about everything, both deliberately manufactured doubt and naturally occurring doubt as a result of various things, that there are huge swaths of the population in every country on the world that do not accept the validity of the coronavirus argument. And it is flabbergasting absolutely flabbergasted but it is not surprising there are 70 nearly 80 odd million people in the United States who looked at four years and the massive death toll of a Trump presidency and either genuinely thought came to their own conclusion or were manipulated into the thought ah shit that's good let's give him another go which is (laughs) okay sure so where does yeah, flabbergast that is the right word there is now that doubt that repudiation of expert testimony that that it's called post-truth now be careful there's no such thing as truth there's no such thing as epistemological truth means absolute in a religious context and epistemological truth would mean God is real God is love heaven is real the devil is real those are epistemological truths in science we try desperately to stay away from the concept of it because everything's pretty spongible even things like the speed of light which have been demonstrated to be there mathematically by Einstein's field equations still you know we can't go out and poke it so we can't really test it yet because we can't throw things that fast we can't really fuck around with the concept except mathematically so we have to leave it open as a theory so there's no such thing as epistemological truth from a, really from a scientific perspective. We have to leave that concept alone. But still there is so much doubt. I've said this before in a couple of other in Facebook posts, is that, say, take Dr. Fauci in the US. He's probably one of the most well-credentialed immunologists on the face of the bloody planet. And yet he's had death threats. 
he's got security guards. The the like what the actual fuck? People are convinced that there's a conspiracy theory about masks. When the COVID vaccine comes out, holy crap sticks, that's gonna get some vocal fucking opposition. Um and phew, people who do not have the tools or the intellectual tools to judge the merits of an immunological argument or a scientific argument of which they do not understand it, the finer points, to then think that their opinion is as worthwhile as the immunologists who created the data is insanity. However, it is also startlingly human. We do not think rationally easily. You are you have a fleshy tapioca pudding in your head that is designed electrically charged tapioca pudding, slightly salty, greasy as well. That is designed to help you escape from tigers, stop you get et, and to make you make other little tiny humans via sex. I don't know why I elucidated that so clearly, but I did. That's what your brain is designed to do. If you stop thinking rationally about things, you'd probably get met by the tiger. And using being a hyper-rational individual uses a lot more juice. Like, your brain's got to work really hard to do it. It's harder. And there are no environmental pressures as an animal, or even as a neo-sapien, so an almost sapien creature, a sapien creature. There are no environmental pressures that make you want to be rational society and social generation society generation you know what i've talked about previously in that all of these behaviors that we have to look after our giant headed headed undeveloped babies is so there are some circumstances where rationality is warranted it helps with civilization building it helps with society building but there are unconscious behaviors that do that just as well, if not better. So there are no environmental pressures that create rationality. And I need to learn more about this, but I, from my reckoning, can't see where rationality and rational thinking comes into the human thought process from evolution. No, it does. I mean, I'm, please do not take that to mean that we were created with it. Go right the fuck off with that. Where does it where does where does it come in? What's the the seat of it? Is it something that just comes with our extreme tool using ability, our sentience that that we're ha- we're still having trouble nailing to a wall as to what it is and what it does and how it evolved? Is it just part and parcel with it? And, and this is this is a this is not a question for you. This is a question for me. What causes rationality? What causes rational or critical thinking? Like that's really interesting to me. I mean, I've said before that the Neanderthal man could go down to the river he would describe the tiger as being there because they didn't necessarily have a strong conceptual abstraction. They couldn't say the tiger might be there, they said the tiger could be there. He is there, but you just can't see him. So Cro-Magnum Man, sorry, you know Cro-Magnum Man, um, Homo sapiens had a, had a bit of a step up on, on Neanderthal, Homo Neanderthalus, is that we could think abstractly. So, <laughs> I've wandered magnificently off the point. This was about truth, and this was about 
we may not we, we, we have a society where certain things are taken for granted and yet some of those concepts are constantly bombarded Andrew Wakefield produced his paper, his scientific paper saying in the Lancet Medical Journal saying that there is a link between the MM, MM, MSR vaccine and the onset of autism and his paper was withdrawn it has been thrown out there are multiple legal there have been multiple legal attacks against this man for what he did he fabricated research his paper has been withdrawn and he is in disgrace as well he should be this was not enough and now you have the anti-vaccine movement which now you start seeing there are now places in California in the transient populations in California where there are medieval diseases cropping up again because people aren't vaccinating. Polio has been effectively eradicated in Africa. Excellent work. It is fucking rising in America. What the actual fuck? Who looks at vaccine information and thinks, I know just as much as them, or my internal knowledge is just as good as your expert level knowledge. My opinion is just as valid as your data set. I'm going to have my own version of that. Some people come to things like anti-vax and, and, and flat earth and QAnon is terrifying. Really, it's too good. QAnon's man-made. It has to be. It's deliberate. Um, you get you get people who are manipulated, okay? So humans are not very good at rational thinking, as I've said. We're not very good at, at separating our emotional drives and from our rational drives. So you get people who are very easily swayed by information that fits their internal narrative. And this is called, it's a combination of cognitive dissonance and ideological entrenchment. Humans are almost impossible to change their mind if they have something that's a core idea. Like me, for example, I've spent most of my life dealing with mental health issues. My core idea is that I'm a pretty worthless person. It's going to be a lifetime endeavor to try and change that idea of myself because that's not how humans work. We are very bad at doing that. It's very hard for us to do. <sighs> that was depressing. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so you can get manipulated into thinking that, that vaccines cause autism because you, the information that's been presented to you has been A, designed to appeal to you in an emotional context so that you more readily believe in it, has been designed to manipulate you. It's got certain buzzwords and phrases that are designed to make you afraid, engage your limbic system, and then suddenly rationality has entirely left the building and you will believe whatever conforms to your expectations and fears. That is the human fucking condition. It's just bullshit, really. If there is a creator god, you're a dick. So, we can't see truth. We, we, we all want truth, we all aspire to having truth, but it doesn't exist philosophically. Like, it just, it doesn't, there's no, don't even get me started on nihilism rants. Like, literally, go read some Nietzsche and Kierkegaard. Like, it's all about nothing has any, nothing means anything, and there's no such thing as truth. And God is dead. Go, let's go watch some TV. Thank you, Rick and Morty. 
So we we try to interpret the national natural world. We try to understand things that are happening. We try to look at human health, and human health has got the most conspiracy theories because we inhabit our own bodies. We seem to think, and in many ways we are the best judge of our own internal workings. But you know what? There's a disease called periodic paralysis. And essentially what it does is when your potassium ion exchange gets all stuffed up and your cells can't contract properly and you start having ataxia, so you start having shaking. And it's very complicated. It's all about the the way it functions is a very molecular action. And I guarantee you that no one outside of the actual people whose job it is to learn this really understand it properly. And yet, it's a thing. That was a bad example. There's probably better ones. What I'm saying is there's... We are very bad at determining the root of things, the truth of things, as close as we can get to the truth. And we are celebrated in our badness. We are celebrating celebrity COVID deniers. Um, And it goes even for more subtle issues. Like, I don't personally do not even begin to understand how if someone says that they identify as a gender that they were not, that that is not the one that that it is expressed as their phenotype, when, why wouldn't you let them? I don't, I don't understand it. The only thing that matters in this worth is what we attach meaning to. So if someone decides that they're, they, like a man, person who was, who was, who's man, who was raised as a man has decided he wants to be a woman or is a woman. I'm not trans. So if I get the, the language incorrect, I do apologize. Um, if they want to transition or if they have transitioned or if they just want their outside to reflect their inside, what is wrong with that? There is no, there is no problem with that. It's just humans being humans. But some people take it as a front to their very existence and it's insanity. So we suck at seeing truth. How do we get better at this? There is, oh man, there are billions being spent at the moment on trying to understand how to combat fake news, how to combat the manipulations like the great big orange shit given it sitting in the White House right now tries to send to his followers. And yes, I just called Trump a giant orange shit given. Thank you, Scottish people. Um, and by the way, this is probably my most opinionated podcast. I'm perfectly fucking okay with that. I really am. Um... There's millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars, and hundreds of hundreds of billions of dollars more will be spent on trying to understand how this shit happens. Why is it that even though it has been debunked over and over and over and over again, do people still think that vaccines cause autism, or or that you can get vaccine injuries? You can have an immune response to a vaccine. Everyone does. That's the fucking point dumbass, you get a vaccine, you get an immune response because a vaccine is training your immune system. (gasps) Shock. So you get an immune response. It's going to happen. And some people that's a lot more potent than in others. And sometimes it's really potent because of allergies and immune systems are all over the shop. All right. 
so how do we, how do you, how do you intercept it? How do you change it? Like there are people that are flat, like you get flat earthers. A, a Greek, a, a Greek guy in Egypt in Syracuse about, you know, two, 3000 years ago concluded how round the earth was and concluded its diameter to within like 2% of what it actually is using a fast runner shadows and math and his brain like fuck and you think you know mr rapper didn't finish high school however more objective than nasa even if you assume that even if you think that nasa is corrupt and a cons- engaged in a global conspiracy to convince everyone that australia isn't real and jesus i can't believe that's a real thing then 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 believe the guy in egypt two three thousand years ago who used his slightly electrified, electrified, fleshy tapioca putting in his head to work out that the Earth's diameter, and he got really close to the um, the level that we used satellites to get. So if even you think NASA, which is a government organization, is corrupt, there's other people who've done it. And there's a thing called the Zetetic Method, which is a way of using your ob- your observations to rationalize them as empirical data. It's kind of crap. But, you know, if you look at it, like the, the, it's a way of rationalizing that the reason why the horizon looks flat is because the world is flat, not because it's really, it's really big. It's kind of stupid. Um, and so there is no real way to get around this. It's, it's really troublesome and really worrying. Um, I was having this discussion online with a few friends that while we live in a post-gatekeeper society, like it's really good that anyone can get out there and put their information on and educate people and, and have really good discussions about the validity of certain scientific concepts because the whole point of science is debate and argumentation and evidence-based discussion. Like, yes, excellent, that's the bloody point. It has to survive vigorous debate. Without debate, your argument is meaningless. You need to be able to support it. So yeah, let's get out, let's argue with the facts, let's let's verify them, let's make sure they're spot on, let's publish those, those, those null and defeated hypotheses, let's show where we fucked up. That's the whole point. But we don't. We, we find more emotional attachment to whatever makes us feel good. In some contexts, that's, that's racism. In some contexts, contexts. That's misogyny. So this anti-knowledge, post-truth, um, post-empiricism, post-expert testimony world that we're going into doesn't just mean that science gets stymied. And this is the dangerous part. It means that racism gets amplified. It means that misogyny gets amplified. It means that... Um, trans rights get trampled, like like anti-trans rights gets, and LGBTQIT rights get trampled on. So it's more dangerous than just fuckhead over there thinks that the earth is flat. It goes deeper. So that was, this is, this is, this is pretty depressing, but there's some of this, a lot of work going into it, and there's a lot of really, really clever people who are really concerned about the direction that our society is traveling in this regard. And they're willing to fight against it. And I am too. I'm a science communicator. Well, I'm a retail worker, but I'm a science communicator. And I want to be, I'm against it too. I think that 
And it's my firm opinion that, that fake news represents a really serious threat to our civilization. Climate change represents a pretty serious threat to our species, but fake news and, and anti-knowledge and post-truth become is, is a threat to our civilization. So if you have someone in your family that's anti that's an anti-COVID, COVID denier, or anti-vaccine, or you know, accepts some hilariously wrong or outdated piece of information as absolute truth. Don't get angry at them. You can't beat them in an emotional fight because they're already there fighting with emotion. You're trying to fight with rationality and it doesn't work. But try and convince them. It's the only thing. The only thing that really works is the broken record technique. Just keep saying the same message over and over and over again. No, auntie, black people aren't morally less than us. That's not entirely true. Remember we talked about this. Yeah, no, no, I know. It's just not. It's a different world now. Come on. I'll remind you next time you do this as well. <laughs> I don't have a racist auntie. My aunties are really nice, actually. Um, that was a good example. Anyway, I'm home now. I haven't been home for a while. I've just been bloviating. Think about that. Maybe the, the theoretical exercise to go home with after this after this session, if you've actually gotten this far in my ramblings, is think about something in the in the world around you that you take for granted, or take some. Don't take something physical like grass exists. That's a pretty good one. Like that. That's we've got pretty good evidence that grass exists. Like um, Stephen Colbert is famous for asking the question, "Do you believe in climate change?" It's a stupid question because you might as well be asking, are there hats? And yes, there are hats. We can answer that question. So don't don't ask... Well, yeah, if you want to ask questions that you can observe the answer to, that's fantastic, but you will solve them pretty quickly. But that's good on it. It has, it has its own merits. Think about some assumption you have about, say, how mobile phones work or how... How is is the Trump rhetoric about the um, United States election true, which it plainly isn't? But how does it really work? How does the Australian electoral system work? It's very Westminster political system is very different to the American. What the fuck? Um, think about something. Take one thing in your life. Try to find something where you don't understand how it works. You really have no idea how. How does that work? Go and learn about it. And if it fits what you thought, that's great. Try something else. Keep going until you find something that really totally blows your mind. One thing, one thing that constantly makes me giggle, all power stations, all the way that we generate power for humanity that is not solar or hydro is essentially a kettle. It's steam power. We're living in a steampunk age because all, most of our power comes from steam. Steam drives turbines, which creates electrical current. Nuclear, nuclear power stations use steam. Coal obviously uses steam. It's, thermal, it's all thermal heating. Yeah, it blows my mind constantly. Go out there and have a look. You'd be surprised the places you end up. And just for shits and giggles, go onto Wikipedia and learn about the sordid history of, of cornflakes. It's hilarious. Recommend it to everyone. It's worth a read. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening, guys. I will talk to you next time. This is Simon Hanslow, finishing up. Thanks a lot. Bye.